good morning, Rise Church. My name is Tabby, and on behalf of our staff and our leaders and our pastors here at Rise, we just want to welcome you this morning. If you're new here, we want to encourage you to try us three times. Someone say three times. Three times. And the reason that we ask you to do that is because you may not get your best experience on the first time, or like today, we might be doing something a little bit different, so you're not really getting the feel of how it is here at Rise Church. We're really excited for our four on the fourth happening this morning, and um, and for next week, our pastor will be kicking off, like Pastor Jason said, Pastor Aaron, our senior pastor, will be kicking off Running with Giants. But for today, let's go ahead and kick off our four on the fourth. So we've asked these four speakers to come in and to speak on psalms to you today. So each one of them has chosen a psalm, and they're going to speak for five minutes about what the Lord showed them through the psalm. So we're going to get started with our first. Um, our first speaker today is Clint Hill. He oversees, he does our parking team. He's our parking lead. Um, he is such an awesome man of God. He leads a lot of the men in this church, um, and he is amazing with small groups as well. And so we are just so excited to let him use his voice and speak this message to you today. Well, good morning. Now I have to live up to that reputation. Um, I want us to first start thinking about this question. What do we fear? Right? It's kind of a loaded question, but usually, typically, when people think about fear, the first thing they think about is San Antonio traffic, right? <laughs> Maybe it could be running, Right? See, I got an amen right there. I'll take it. But the reason why I ask is how many of us know that fear is a great motivator? Right? In fact, how many of y'all would be shocked to know that God created fear? Right? Now, before anyone emails Pastor asking why did, you know, he let someone crazy on the platform, I want to go ahead and just prove it. Let's take a look at Scripture, right? We look at the Old Testament. We actually see this quite often when we hear about the fear of the Lord. And that word fear is yare, all right? That means to have a reverence, to honor, to be an awestruck wonder. So when we are talking about the fear of God, we're not talking about this feeling of despair or grief. In fact, we're talking about this feeling of honoring, of reverence, much like we should have with our parents, right? Any kids in here? Right. But the reason why I mention this is because earlier, this is actually my wife. She's going to be sharing. Hallelujah. Um, that the reason why is because entering our relationship, I entered with some preconceived notions, these preconceived thoughts that I was not going to be a failure. I was not going to be alone. I was not going to be a bad husband, a bad father. And theoretically, that sounds good. But in reality, I chained myself to one bad decision after another because I was being led by fear. You see, it brings us to Psalm 34, where David is in this place in a cave where he is running, and he sits down to write this, and in this moment, he could respond out of fear, his hurts, his failures, but instead, he chooses to write in worship to God. He said, I sought the Lord, and he answered me, and he delivered me from all of my fears. That's loaded right there. And then he says, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good, you his saints, right? Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. 
fear the Lord, for those who fear the Lord have no lack. What David was trying to say right there is whatever we put our faith in is what we fear. Because David placed his fear in God or his faith in God, he feared God. Because let's be honest, ultimately, we tend to be a little bit more obedient to things that we fear. Because ultimately, fear leads to worship. For example, if we fear acceptance or we fear rejection, we will worship acceptance. If we fear poverty, we're going to worship wealth. If we fear failure, we're going to worship success. But if we fear God, we're going to worship God. And it says out of God's goodness that we will lack nothing. Notice how David shifted his perspective that could have been anything around him to every circumstance. But what he chose to do was I'm going to switch my fears right here to the fear of God, my worship of God. Because again, we, we tend to worship what we fear. And I'll say right now that earlier, even two years into our marriage, I was making bad decision after bad decision. And the simple reason why is because with my own strength, with my own two hands, I thought I could achieve everything that I could have achieved. But time and time again, I continued to hurt my wife again and again. And it wasn't until we got to the end of our rope that I realized I'm not the man that God created me to be. And just as David said in Psalm 34, he goes, I sought the Lord. And when I sought him, I heard him. I listened to him. I put everything into that. I begin to know him more. I begin to worship him for who he is and not what he can do for me. Because I shifted my perspective of worship from the things going on to my God. Now in Psalm 34, please don't miss this. If I can sum this up, it's going to be right here. What we choose to listen to is what we put our faith in. What we put our faith in determines what we fear. What we fear determines what we worship. And what we worship determines who we will become. David was known as a man after God's own heart. There's a reason why. Because he understood this. Now, as I said earlier, and I asked the question, what do we fear? Man, that was so good, Clint. I know for me, I, man, I needed that reminder this morning. Oh, yeah, I've been there. Fear, putting my fear in the wrong place. Well, we're going to move right along. Um, our next speaker is Antonio Juarez. Him and his wife, Olinda, they lead our youth ministry here. They've been here for, um, well, pretty much the whole time they were here, part of our launch team. And this, this man, he leads our teenagers so well here at Rise. He loves them. He pours into them. And we are so grateful for him here. So give him a round of applause. Well, good morning, everybody. Hope you're having an awesome time. Fourth of July, y'all got y'all's uh, grills going already. Teen, uh, kids, y'all got y'all's glow sticks, right, on y'all's wrists, on y'all's necks, or just have them there. Yes, we got a couple. Raise them up. Oh, kids, yeah. Okay, some of them in here. Okay, if you don't have one, go get one. Uh, but so today I'm going to be reading out of Psalms 57, verse 9. So uh, if you have your Bibles, open them up, or it should be up right behind me. So it says, I will thank you, Lord, among all the people. I will sing your praises among the nations. I'll read it one more time. 
It says, I will thank you, Lord, among all the people. I will sing your praises among the nations. We could close our Bibles right now, in service, go home, and live this verse out throughout the week. Thank you, God, for this week. We praise you for this week, and it will be all good. So the one who's writing this, but I'm going to give you a little bit of context of it, of who is writing it. So you're going to hear a lot about David tonight or today. Um, And David's writing this, but he has already been anointed king to be the next king. He has already defeated Goliath. He has already winning wars. He's already winning battles. He's already married the king's daughter. He's already built friendships. He's already stayed at the palace in the kingdom. He's like, of course you're going to thank God. Of course you're going to praise because all these great things are happening. But that's not the setting of this scripture. When he's writing this, he's in a cave, in a dark, cold cave by himself. He's fleeing for his life. He's running from a man that he's, he honored, that he served, that he loved, that he fought his battles. And that man is chasing him, trying to kill him. But he is still saying, I thank you, Lord, among the people. I will praise you among the nations. All while this is happening. Because he remembers God's promise over his problems. He remembers these things. For some of you, I, I could tell some of you, man, just imagine this right now. Imagine being David in that dark, cold cave. Some of you could, don't even have to imagine it. Some of you are actually living it. Some of you are actually in that cave right now, that you're struggling, that you're, you're fleeing for something, that your marriage is on the brink of divorce, that your kids, that something's uh, issues going on in their life that wasn't supposed to happen. Your, financial, it's, your fi- finances are struggling. You maybe lost your job. You maybe got passed up on that promotion that some younger guy didn't deserve, but they got it instead of you. Maybe your physical health isn't where you want it to be. Maybe your mental health is not where it wants to be. Maybe you lost somebody in the past. Maybe you've, you've, you have some hurt in your life, some depression, some anxiety there. You're in that cave right now. We could all relate to David in this moment. But just remember his promise, God's promise over our problems. I only got a couple more minutes, and I'll end with the story. So there's this girl and one day her mom leaves. Her mom just gets up and leaves. And during that time, she's asking God, God, why did my mom leave? What did I do? Will she ever come back? And God tells her, what I need you to do is I need you to serve. I need you to pray. I need you to praise. So she says, okay, God, I'll, I'll, I'll do that. I can do that. So she starts helping at her local church. She starts serving there. She starts leading a small group, a bunch of teenage girls. She's just loving on, on them. She's preaching. She decides she goes back to school. She's loving her kids. She's loving her husband. She's just doing great things. But still in the back of her head, it's, God, where is my mom? Where is she at? Why is this happening to me? Will she ever come back? And God tells her, keep going. So she keeps going, she, she keeps serving, she keeps praying, praising. She ends up moving to a new city. She ends up finishing school and, and getting her master's. She ends up uh, serving at that, that church, leading a team there. Even at her job, she starts moving up in her company, and she starts leading a team there, and she's doing great things for God. She's on fire for God. But still in the back of her head is, why, God, will she ever come back? Where is my mom? And this is all happening during COVID now, and so she's even more worried because what is my mom in the house? I have no idea. She even decides, should I, should I hire a, a, a private investigator to go? It's just all these things. Why, God? Why is this happening? Why is this happening? And God keeps telling her, keep going. Keep going. 
So she keeps doing this. She, she shows up to church, to church. She's in the front just worshiping, hands raised, and, and God, I, I will worship you forever. And she goes back home and it gets, starts hurting even more. She wakes up in the mornings where her husband and her kids have to help her get out of bed because all she wants to do is lie there. Her, her showers get a little bit longer because she's the, she weeps in there. She doesn't feel like doing nothing because the question is, God, will she ever come back? Where is she at? And finally, she gets a phone call, and it's her mother. And she tells her, hey, I'm sorry that I left the way I left. It, it wasn't your fault. You, you did nothing wrong. It, it, I had some other issues, and I, I just had to take care of them. I, I shouldn't have left that way. Well, this past spring break at a little diner in, in Lubbock, Texas, I was able to sit there and see my wife and my mother-in-law reconnect after three and a half years, them love on each other, hug each other, just, just kiss each other, just, just laugh together of all those moments. And I, and I remember sitting there across the table with just pancakes in the, in the front. And I remember at home the times I had to pray for her, the times that we would worship where she would come in here, hands raised, and she would go back home and just hurting. I remember her one time when we were worshiping in our living room, and she was, she was there, and she said, God, if she never comes back, you are still God, and you are still good, and I will continue serving you no matter what. Because she remembered his promise over her problems. In Hebrews 10.23, it says, he is faithful to his promises. So today, as I end, just remember that his promises are always greater than our problems. Antonio, thank you for the vulnerability of sharing that story about your wife. I know for me it's having remembering that that his promises over your problems is so is isn't the easiest. Thank you for being so vulnerable and sharing that with us this morning. Up next, we have Melissa Hill. You guys have probably seen her um, here. If you've been here any amount of times, you've probably seen her up here on the platform. She's one of our worship leaders, and um, this woman is an amazing woman of God. She pours into so many of the women here at Rise and um, helps our worship team so much grow in how to be worship leaders and, and truly, more than anything, how to worship Jesus. And we're just so blessed and honored that she's here to share with us this morning. And, you know, David has always been one of my favorite people in the Bible. I mean, who doesn't want to be known as a man after God's own heart? In fact, I currently find myself in a season of asking God the kind of questions that really determine if I am a person who is after his own heart. You know, questions like, God, can you trust me? Are you pleased with me? Am I properly stewarding what you've entrusted me with? which led me to Psalm 139, and I love the title of this chapter. It says, God, you know all about me. And David starts off by acknowledging that no matter where he goes to, no matter where he runs, he just cannot escape the presence of God. He says, God, you go before me. You follow me. You know the words that I'm going to say before I even speak them. And then he ends the chapter by saying, so search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. See, there has to be an awareness on our end that every day, every moment, there is a battle for the allegiance of our hearts. Because our hearts either belong to God or they don't. There is no in-between. And so 
Every day I ask myself, who has my heart? And who it pertains to is determined by the contents of what's inside of it, which is why David said, God, test me, know my thoughts. You know, I know we've heard people say before, like, we will know the true colors of a person when they're put to the test. And we know that to be true, but David took it a step further and said, no, no, that's not enough. God, I need you to know my thoughts. Why? Well, the Bible says that we reap what we sow. In fact, Pastor Jason actually talked about this last Sunday, and if you think about it, if you take a thought and you sow it, you'll reap an action. And if you take that action and you sow it, you'll reap a habit. And when you take that habit and you sow it, you'll reap a lifestyle. Why? Because what we think is who we are. So what kind of conversations are we having internally? You know, the kind that we think are safe to think because who could ever find them out? But see, I've been challenged by this because just like the title of this chapter said, God, you know all about me. And so when I come before God and I ask him these questions, it's not so that he can become aware of who I am. God already knows who I am. He sees me. He knows my heart. When I ask God these questions, it's so that he can make me aware of who I am on the inside. And so I've been challenged by this because the Bible says, and it's very clear, that my thoughts are not his thoughts. And so when life happens and when things don't go as I'd like them to, which happens a lot, I have to pause and, 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 and take a moment and say, I'm not going to choose worry. I'm not going to fill my heart and my mind with thoughts of what ifs and God, why won't you? Instead, I'm going to choose to pick up faith and trust that, just like the Bible says, that his ways are always higher than mine. And so I just want to challenge us, actually, before I do that. David ends by saying, so point out anything in me that displeases you, God, and then lead me. See, that right there is like an exchange that takes place. And as shameful and as uncomfortable as it might be in that moment, we can come to God and tell him, God, I give you the parts of me that displease you, not so that I can be left empty-handed, but so that I can begin to make room for you, so that I can begin to bear the kind of fruits that honor you. So I just want to encourage us today to challenge ourselves, not just today, but for the rest of our lives until he returns to be bold enough to ask God the kind of questions that will allow him to make us aware of who we are on the inside. Because when we do that, then he can lead us into the path of everlasting life. When I read Melissa's notes and that, that line that you said, there's a battle for the allegiance of our hearts. I texted her immediately and I was like, girl, <laughs> ow. <laughs> Because it belongs to God or it doesn't. Thank you for sharing that. We really appreciate that. Well, next up and our last for our four on the fourth this morning is Josh Hinckley. Josh Hinckley is um, one of our worship leaders here. You have probably seen him. If you've been here at all, he'll either be behind drums or playing guitar. And just like Mel, he actually, he spends so much time pouring into the men um, in this church. And, and just, um, he's an incredible man, a great husband. And we're so excited to hear from him this morning. Josh? Oh, thank you. Well, good morning. So I have a question for everybody. Has anyone ever been cut off in traffic? 
maybe like once, twice, three, four times on the way here. Yeah, so uh, that happens often right now. So in those moments, do you want justice or do you want peace? So who wants justice? Okay, all right, my people. And who wants peace? All right, we got one. Sweet. Very good. So we're all honest today. So in those moments of being, in those moments where we want justice, I know that for me, I'm always like, when that person cuts me off, I want the cop to pull them over and give them a fat ticket. Ruin their day. That's, that's my form of justice, right? And so in what I'm going to be talking about today is I'm going to be talk, teaching in Psalms 5, in Psalm 5. And so in, in Psalm 5, we find, I'm going to give you some context. So we find David. And uh, similar to what, what, we've, what we've already talked about, David's kind of in, in these various moments. And in this particular moment, he is in a cave. He is hiding. And he is hiding from, uh, from the people that are coming after him. So he has this, he has this, um, uh, this advisor, Ahithophel. And so Ahithophel has gone behind his back and has gone to with his son, with uh, uh, David's son, uh, Absalom. And they're both conspiring to kill David. They're chasing him. They're hunting him down, right? So David's in a very tough spot right now. So he's got a trusted advisor, somebody who he would say was maybe a good friend, maybe somebody that he has trusted for many, many years who has gone with his own flesh and blood and is now seeking to kill him. So that's the moment that David's in in this moment in Psalm 5. And so he uses a lot of colorful language here to describe his enemies. Uh, particularly Ahithophel and Absalom. He, in verse 9, he specifically uh, says, he says that uh, they, uh, th- their talk is foul, like the stench of an open grave. And their tongues are filled with flattery. And then he also talks in 10, he says that he's seeking justice. He says that he hopes that they get caught in their own traps. And how many of us would probably say that that's kind of, Honestly, when, it, when we think about our enemies and people have done us wrong, that's, that's kind of how we feel, right? But it's the next two verses that really have spoke over my life and has changed my perspective when it comes to seeking justice or seeking peace. And so we're going to put that on the screen here. It says, but let all who take refuge in you be glad. Let them ever sing for joy. Spread your protection over them that those who love your name may rejoice in you. Now, when my wife Monica and I, we first moved down here, uh, there was an accusation that was made against me that resulted in actually a a year and a half long lawsuit that cost us tens of thousands of dollars. And financially, we were strapped, all right? So we really didn't have a whole lot of money going on. Uh, We had just started coming to church as a family, uh, faithfully serving as a family, and even tithing as a family for the first time. And so then all this happens. And so... In the middle of this whole whole ordeal, I uh, at first it was it was kind of easy to to like you know begin to trust God because again it's very fresh, very new. You're like, okay, I'm believing you, God. You can t- you can get me through this. But the bills start piling up, and then the attorney's bills started piling up. But theirs kept getting larger and larger, and just you know we're we're underwater at this point. And so I, I did this thing that, uh, that I've done many, many years ago, and it's something that uh, has been around for many years. It's reading your Psalms and Proverbs, reading through the, the, both books every single month, every 30 days. And so the way you do this is you read five Psalms, one Proverb, and you'll get through, over 30 days, you'll get through both books. Well, I got to Psalm 5, and when I got to that verse 9 and 10 that I mentioned earlier, the very colorful language, the way we all feel about our enemies, I highlighted it, 
And I said, I spoke that over my life. I was like, God, that's what I want. I want justice. I want them to be caught in their own traps, right? So I highlighted that. That was my prayer for months, months and months and months. Long story short, the Lord protected me, though. The Lord did have his hand over my life, and he protected me in a great way. Now, he did not lay out the justice that I felt my enemies deserved, though. What he did instead, though, was he gave me something I so desperately needed. He gave me peace. He gave me peace over my circumstance. He gave me peace that he was there. He gave me peace that he would protect me and he would protect from my family and provide. In the moments that we're seeking justice, God just wants to give you peace. In the moments that we're seeking justice, God just wants to give you peace. You see, God is a just God. He will make things right. But he's just asking that you trust him. Put your faith in him and seek peace in Jesus. So I challenge you this morning, instead of seeking justice, seek peace in Jesus. So again, I'll end with my question. Do you want justice or do you want peace?